We'll make a start this morning on talks on the Epistle of Jude. This actually is our sixth talk on this short epistle. When we were kids at home, we used to get a magazine called the Christian Herald. This is going back many, many years. It was a, a magazine with various articles by various Christians. And in it also there was a section for children and young people. A chap who went by the name of Uncle Somebody, I can't remember his name. But he did a little short section for children. And there was always a story. And before the story, every week or so, whenever it came out there was a little synopsis and it said the story so far and that's the way it is with us this morning the story is so far we'll read a passage of scripture in a moment but we will also try and do the story so far this uncle whatever he was called had a section too that we could join his kind of club and the motto of this club was, look up and aim high. Look up, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And aim high to live a high standard, worthy of God. Look up and aim high. These false teachers, these dreamers, were guilty of three sins. And we saw in verse 8, they defiled the flesh, they despise dominion, and they speak evil of dignities. They were, and sadly are, around today, arrogant and proud men. If they do not understand something, rather than seeking to understand it, they resort to jeering and abusing others because of their own ignorance. They are irrational brutes. Beware of such false teachers. And then we stopped off there. We stopped off at verse 11. But in order to give the continuity, the story so far, we will read again from verse 8. Jude, verse 8. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel... When contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain 
and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, forming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness for ever. The blackness of darkness forever. You know, Jude doesn't mince his words. He's a plain speaker. Look at verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. I wonder if you were able to find out a bit about these three people, which we mentioned at the end of our talk last week. Cain, Balaam and Kor. If we wanted a title for this talk, in Cain we have self-promotion in the things of God. Now we'll find out more about Cain if we turn to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis chapter 4. I think most of us should be able to find the book of Genesis. Chapter 4. Now, these dreamers of Jude's day follow the same principles as the three men mentioned in verse 11. And today we have them in many churches, the same principles being reenacted and acted out in the lives of false teachers. There's nothing new under the sun. Right from the book of Genesis until the present day. Adam and Eve had been put out of the Garden of Eden, but had continued to live their lives outside of paradise. Soon Cain and Abel were born. You know, we wonder if she thought it might be one of these whom would have crushed Satan's head. God had said that someone would come and crush the head of Satan. And she called her child Cain, which meant possession. And she said, I have received a man from the Lord. But unfortunately, Cain was a disaster. There is little evidence of there being anything godly in Cain's life. 
Abel, his brother, whose name meant vanity, was a shepherd. Cain was a tiller of the ground. They both, with the same father and mother, ended up very differently. They each decided to make an offering to God. But unfortunately, Cain had no faith, only his own opinions, and what he considered was right, and the way to approach God. He brought some fine examples of his efforts in the fields, the fruits that he had planted, and he brought these as a sacrifice to God. These were obviously the best he could find. The problem was the ground from which these came had been cursed by God when his parents had been sent out of Eden. It seems that this did not enter into his mind. There was nothing wrong about what he had decided to do in growing the fruit and the vegetables, but they could not be sacrificed before God. Abel, well, he brought of the firstlings of his flock, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, God had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. I think that's a lovely expression. His countenance fell. He began to look dissatisfied. And as we shall see, he began to look angry. And then there follows a conversation in this chapter 4 of Genesis between Cain and God. Quite a remarkable section this. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Why are you looking so angry? Because he had approached God in an unacceptable manner. He had approached God in the way he thought was right. However, Abel had learned to approach God, a holy God. He was a guilty sinner before God. So there must be a sacrifice, which had been clearly shown when his parents were sent out of the land of Eden. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. No acceptance. 
all pointing to the coming man who would be the one who would bear the sin of the world, past, present and future, at the cross of Calvary. The one who would bruise the head of the serpent. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Then we read, And Cain talked with Abel his brother. They had a discussion, presumably about the acceptance of Abel's sacrifice and the non-acceptance of Cain's. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. The only reaction that Cain had was to get rid of Abel, the one whose sacrifice had been acceptable to God. And the Lord said unto Cain, Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? God spoke with Cain and said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Let's just break into that conversation for a moment. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. This is the start of a wonderful chapter in Hebrews. It says, by faith, by faith. The difficulty, you see, Cain did not have any faith in God. But Abel, it says, by faith, offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which witness was born to him that he was righteous. God bearing witness to his gifts and through it he, being dead, yet speaketh. Verse 4, Hebrews chapter 11. Look at what it says. Firstly, by faith Abel offered to God we must all live our Christian lives before God by faith. Secondly, God acknowledged him as being righteous by bringing the sacrifice of the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. Or thirdly, his witness before God still rings out down through the corridors of time. For over 6,000 years assuring us, even today, that his righteousness speaks out through scripture. 
This should fill our hearts with praise to God. And fourthly, Abel held that illustrious role of honour in Hebrews chapter 11 of people in the Bible giving us an example of what it is to live by faith in God. Let us see the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Faith in God. Have faith in God, not in oneself. I am sure Satan had sought to silence Abel's voice, but his efforts ended in failure. Just in passing, we see in Abel a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a shepherd, like David and Moses. Our Lord is the good shepherd who careth for his sheep. And also Jehovah is the shepherd of Israel. But it is Cain that we are looking at today. What was his future? What was the future of Cain? Verses 11 and 12. God speaking. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. What an indictment for this man who had so much going for him but failed miserably. Verses 13 and 14 and Cain said unto the Lord, My, now just notice the way he speaks. My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. What was he thinking about? All that was going to happen to me. I. And the Lord said unto him, 
Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. How wonderful God treated this man who had failed so miserably. And what are the lessons may we learn from Cain? Here was a man who was self-opinionated, made a mess of things, and then blamed everybody else except himself. He obviously wanted even God to accept his way of presenting himself to God. And never mind what God says. These dreamers in Jude walk through the world like Cain. And we see them today in millions of people. They wish to come to God using their own ideas and ignore the word of God. They are people who say, I know the word of God says. But in my opinion, it does not mean that. We have all met these people. The most amazing thing about them, they are quite happy to argue against the plain word of God, which many of them have not read seriously or attempted to understand it. And now, for your interest, we will look briefly about as to what, in typology, Cain represents. He is a type of Israel, the Jews of today. He was the firstborn, and therefore had many blessings. Verse 7, go back to verse 7 in chapter 4 in Genesis. If thou doest well, you'll be accepted. Blessings were promised to him, pointing eventually to the coming Messiah. It's amazing how reasonably the way God deals with Cain. Cain had lost his birthright, as did Esau. Israel today has lost their birthright. The nation of Israel, when Christ walked this earth, preferred acceptance by the Roman authorities rather than accept Jesus as the Messiah. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. God wanted Israel to be his ambassadors throughout the nations, but they failed. They wanted to be accepted. Their leaders had made a mockery of the law, which had been given by God. For instance, they permitted a man, if your animal fell, 
into a pit, you could take it out on the Sabbath day. But yet, they accused Jesus of breaking the law for healing a man on the Sabbath day. They had it all mixed up. They preferred the Roman authorities and a murderer, Barabbas, at Calvary rather than believe the Lord Jesus Christ as their true Messiah. The Jews have been scattered throughout the world. What did Cain say to God? Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. How interesting that has turned out as regards the Jewish nation. Israel is still, however, God's chosen people. And yet, God preserves them. We see anti-Semitism and all that type of thing against the Jews. We have people who are boycotting their products and so much worse. God still preserves them. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. A while ago, we looked at the judgment of the nations in Matthew 25. And the result and the severe judgment against those who treated the Jewish nation, the brethren of Jesus, the punishment was harsh. A few more points we could get from Genesis chapter 4. Cain went out from the presence of God and we read of the type of world he created. One of commerce, culture, business, but no mention of God. However, the Jewish nation will one day recognize the Lord Jesus as their true Messiah. It was the religious leaders of Christ's day who would not recognize him and hated him without a cause for who he was. In the great tribulation of which our Lord spoke, Israel will suffer as never before, but they will eventually acknowledge Jesus as their king. Look at verses 23 and 24 of Genesis chapter 4. Many years had passed, and Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, 
ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding. I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. The Jewish nation have slain a man to their wounding and a young man to my heart. Israel will have to endure God's punishments for the death of his beloved son. Seventy times and sevenfold an awesome punishment. But then if you go on to look at verse 26. And Adam knew his wife and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, she said she, had appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also, was there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. It will be only when Israel truly turns and calls upon the name of their God, then they will recognize their Messiah as their own true King. When? Well, at the end of the Great Tribulation, when the nations will be surrounding Jerusalem and all seems totally lost, then our Lord will return and fight for Israel in a truly remarkable battle with total victory for our Lord and his armies. And Israel will be saved. This week, I think you should get out your Bibles and read... Zechariah chapters 12, 13 and 14. And notice how often it says, In that day, the day of the Lord, when he will return and fight for Israel. In that day, in that day. Let's look at Zechariah. Chapter 12 and verse 10. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, 
and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Read those chapters, Zechariah 12, 13 and 14, and see what else will happen in uh, that day. We read a few weeks ago a passage from Revelation 19. What will happen in that day? And here is a wonderful picture of what will happen on that day. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse appeared. The one who was riding it is called faithful, trustworthy, loyal, incorruptible, steady and true. And he passes judgment and wages war in righteousness, holiness, justice and uprightness. His eyes blaze like a flame of fire and on his head are many kingly crowns and he has a title inscribed which he alone knows or can understand. He is dressed in a robe dyed by in dipping in blood and the title by which he is called is the word of God and the troops of heaven clothed in fine linen dazzling and clean followed him on white horses what an amazing sight and from his mouth goes forth a sharp sword with which he can smite the nations we spoke about these nations a few weeks ago and he will shepherd and control them with a staff a rod of iron and he will tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath and indignation of God the all ruler the almighty the omnipotent and on his garment on his robe and on his thigh he has a name inscribed king of kings and lord of lords then i saw a single angel stationed in the sun's light and with a mighty voice he shouted to all the birds that fly across the sky Come, gather yourselves together for the great supper of God, that you may feast on the flesh of rulers, the flesh of generals and captains, the flesh of powerful and mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all humanity, both free and slave, both small and great. And then I saw the beast and the rulers and the leaders of the earth 
with their troops mustered to go into battle and war against him who is mounted on the horse and against his troops. And the beast was seized and overpowered and with him the false prophet who in his presence had worked wonders and performed miracles by which he led astray those who had accepted or permitted to be placed upon them the stamp or the mark of the beast. And those who paid homage and gave divine honours to his statue. Both of the two were hurled alive into the fiery lake that burns and blazes with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword that issues from the mouth of him who is mounted on the horse. And all the birds fed ravenously and glutted themselves with their flesh. There will come a day when those who have treated Israel badly will receive their final punishment. What did we see in Cain? We saw a man who lost all because of his self-promotion in the things of God. And that is what these dreamers were doing in Jude and will still keep on doing it again and again, challenging the word of God.